Cinema Obscura. There's a lot more to movies than the box office top ten. Go deeper, you'll find the bizarre, the shocking, and sometimes forbidden in titles that were here today and gone tomorrow. This week, it's a look at 1977's A-Bar, the first black Superman, and from 1993, the action crime comedy Meteor Man. I'm Steve Nikhazy, and I'm joined by independent Philadelphia filmmaker Andre Bennett. Hi, I am independent and from Philadelphia. <laughs> and uh, just as advertised. Yes, glad to be back, Steve. You know, the success of, we've been talking about this for a while, this, the success of Black Panther has really uh, widened the focus on superheroes of color. And while that blockbuster serves as a landmark standalone film, there are oh other goodness. titles worth uh, talking about. Black Panther, oh my goodness. I, I just want to say, I've, I saw that movie three times in the first week. In the first week? In the first week. And it was absolutely everything I hoped it would be, and then some. But yeah, you're right. It's not the first. It's not the first black superhero blockbuster either. That had to be uh, Blade back okay. in 98. Uh, okay. But right. even Fair Blade enough. wasn't the first attempt. I mean, you had Spawn, but then go back even further and yeah, we've got a few things. Yeah. Well, we start with the story of an African-American scientist, his family who encounter racists after moving into a white neighborhood. And he develops a formula for a bodyguard who also develops telekinetic powers and becomes a crime fighter in A-Bar, the first black Superman. And I got to tell you, truly deficit in acting, lighting, special effects and the plot. But this movie has a good heart. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this movie. Okay, so there's a lot about this movie that's really interesting and kind of out there. The uh, It was written and produced by a man named James Smalley, who was actually a pimp from Louisiana, who used money from that business to fund production on this. The Kincaid House is actually an upscale brothel. So, <laughs> yes, that location, <laughs> which is why it looks kind of ostentatious for a family home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they ran out of money before the movie was finished and had to sell it to a film processing lab. They shot it in 75 under the name Super Black. It uh, was released in 77 as Abar the First Black Superman. Later, it was released on VHS as In Your Face. Mm-hmm. And, this, and it really comes out at a time at a period in which there were so many back-to-back-to-back exploitation films. Yeah, it's definitely in the exploitation genre, but the sci-fi focus sets it apart. It's not the most accomplished of them, maybe more so than Dolomite, but <laughs> I mean, even then, uh, yeah, like as far as production, they also, it, it was very guerrilla filmmaking in a way because they didn't have permits. There was a scene, I believe, where um, it was one of the motorcycle gang scenes and the cops arrived to shut down production because they didn't have permits the gang actually circled the cop cars and intimidated the cops into staying in their cars until filming was done. Uh-huh. So it came down to that. Wow. Yeah, this movie had a, had a very interesting production. I just wish it looked and sounded better because, yeah, the lighting's bad. The sound isn't great. A third of the movie is actually out of focus. Yeah, yeah. So there's <laughs> that too. And the acting is – Variable yeah, to be kind. Yeah, uh, to be kind. Yes. And an interesting aspect of this is that, you know, I think halfway in or three quarters in the third reel, maybe uh, you hear excerpts of the I Have a Dream speech. Yeah, they use Dr. King's audio quite a bit in this movie. That's the other part of it. Despite the production problems and the 
quality of the film from a craft standpoint. It's so sincere and timely, even of this time, to be honest, sadly, and uh, political that you can't discount it. The difference of opinion between Dr. Kincaid, the scientist who moves his family out into uh, Meadow Park, and Abar, the bodyguard who keeps suggesting that they move back to the neighborhood in order to try to build it back up, it's it's a very – it's fascinating to hear those scenes where they're going back and forth about it and I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I almost wish it was the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Now, he has superpowers but they're not the kind of superpowers one would immediately think of. They're very ill-defined. The sad thing about this is that he doesn't get his powers until like the last half hour of the movie and it gets super repetitive up until that point because it gets into this formula of – Racist harass Dr. Kincaid. Abar comes in and scares them off. Dr. Kincaid's family freaks out and then so on and so forth for about an hour and ten minutes. Right, right. Yeah, but uh, his powers, it's like he has like telepathy sort of. He can make people do things and he can also give people like the strength and ability to do other things. Like he helps this one prostitute fight off her pimp by like – Get telepathically giving her the know-how to beat him up. Yeah. And he compels a purse snatcher to run back and give the purse back. And then he finds a bunch of people just kind of play, playing dice outside and he uses his powers to make them go to school. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it is very, uh, very uh, yeah. loosely defined. I mean, he's not he's not stopping a locomotive or flying over tall buildings or, or that kind of thing. We'll save that for the next, yeah. the next movie that we do. But we do have a clip. And uh, this is in which Dr. Kincaid – This is when he actually asks Abar to be his bodyguard because Abar is an activist and he's very critical of Dr. Kincaid. But he helped Dr. Kincaid before and the doctor trusts him enough to ask him to do this. Here we go. Well, you seem to say, Abar, I myself and my family are in a more dangerous situation than I have previously perceived. So what you want me to do is be some kind of a bodyguard around the house and uh, around the family, huh? Uh, That's entirely correct. Why not just move back to the Black Ghetto? I don't have time to move back as yet. When my research is over with, I'll give moving back a strong consideration. And Mr. Abar, I'm presently involved in trying to find a prevention from heart disease. I also need someone of your physical stature to run some tests. Uh, sure, Doc. Then you'll come. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, fine, excellent. You'll get wages for this, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about these tests, uh, what is it that you're going to want me to do? Oh, nothing very complicated or somewhat strenuous. I need to test the heart under different conditions and so forth. Uh, I'll have to undergo a thorough physical examination. Yeah, well, I am a very healthy man, Doc. Well, so you appear to be, but uh, we can't leave anything to chance. Uh, that could be harmful repercussions. I'll report to the medical research lab at the university in a few days. Abar, the first black Superman on video and the Internet. It's kind of hard to find on the web, but uh, you can definitely find it on DVD. I bought it off Amazon. I want to say the dude who plays Abar, Tobar Mayo, I actually enjoyed him a lot. He's really cool. And that clip also just sort of gives you a sense of how thoughtful the script can kind of be because, you know, heart disease is one of the leading killers of black men. So on one hand, there's these little touches that are really thoughtful. And on the other hand, the rest of the movie is it's interesting. I actually kind of recommend watching it. All right, check it out. Abar, the first black Superman. Cinema Obscura. 
Next up, Robert Townsend is a triple threat as he writes, directs, and stars. A teacher in a troubled Washington, D.C. neighborhood has a cosmic encounter that lets him superhero powers, and that is bad news for a stylish drug gang in 1993's The Meteor Man. Oh, the Golden Lords. They are out there, aren't they? <laughs> they are. Every kind, every variety, every size. Yes. You got the little ones, you got the medium ones, you got the big dudes. You got the Golden Lords, the Junior Lords, and the Baby Lords. And you're right, stylish is, is a way to describe it because they are all decked out. It's amazing. This is the first time I've watched it since 1993. So going back, I liked it then, and now there's the big elephant in the room, which is the Cosby's in it. <laughs> right. And, and, and in fact, this movie is perhaps a lot of fun, even even better fun if you don't read the credits and then just wait for familiar faces to pop out on screen doing cameos. But Bill Cosby has a has a, a fairly big role, although he doesn't have any dialogue. He doesn't have any dialogue. And Luther Vandross, strangely enough, has no dialogue. And of course, Luther being one of the, uh, well, in my opinion, one of the greatest singers of all time. And even at this point, one of the more popular singers mm-hmm. of, of his day when they made this movie, I think the reason Luther didn't have any dialogue was probably a contractual thing with his label. As for everyone else, um, oh my God, this movie has like everybody in it. It's like... Yeah, it, it's a who's who. Yeah, like Black Panther now is like a who's who of, of major black stars who aren't already in Marvel movies. The Meteor Man had like, in addition to Robert Townsend and Bill Cosby, had Eddie Griffin, Marla Gibbs, Robert Guillaume, James Earl Jones, Don Cheadle, Luther... Uh, another Bad Creation, Naughty by Nature, Cypress Hill, Sinbad, John Witherspoon, Biz Markey, and then you had Wallace Shawn and uh, Frank Gorshin. <laughs> yeah, Frank Gorshin, the Riddler from Batman, Yes, TV series. I believe that he was actually cast because of that, because Townsend was a big fan of the old Batman show. Okay. And right. Frank Gorshin is one of the best villains of any of any show. Well, the question, does the appearance of Bill Cosby in this movie diminish its appeal? That's a good question, and you also have to take into account Cosby's influence on Townsend because you go back to his first movie, uh, the first movie he directed, Hollywood Shuffle. It's not family-friendly at all. It is very much about the struggle of black actors in Hollywood, but it very much earns its R rating. Mm-hmm. And then he directed uh, Eddie Murphy Raw, which has, <laughs> which has a few things where Eddie just kind of goes in on Cosby. Right. Because Cosby right. was very critical of Eddie Murphy. I remember that. Yes. And then somewhere around there, Townsend started to sort of veer into the family-friendly stuff. And it feels like even in this movie, his character is a jazz musician. It's very on the nose in the, in the way that I want to say the back half of the Cosby show was. There's a lot of stuff to unpack with him, and I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll keep from going down that rabbit hole. I don't think his presence in this movie diminishes it that much because you can't you really can't think of ha- doing this movie then with this with this level of like cast and not bring him in mm-hmm. because at the time if you wanted to make a who's who of black actors and and put them in this movie you had to oh yeah so yeah. it it's like i mean if they made this movie now obviously no and, and obviously he's not invited to wakanda so right, right. but yeah. it, it, it's 1993. Bill, Bill Cosby is fresh in everybody's memory and uh, still very active, and so he was 
an obvious choice yeah. to, to add to, to this. This was right after Cosby Show went off the air, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I love a superhero who is afraid of heights. Now yeah, that, that's, that's the thing, too. Uh, so he's afraid. It's very quirky in that, you know, this character is, when he starts this movie, he's a teacher who's actively telling his students, run from conflict. He gets his powers literally running from this meteor. Right. After he's run and hid from the Golden Lords. So everything up to when he gets his powers is running from trouble. And even after he gets his powers, the Golden Lords attack him and he's running from them. Finally, he starts to fight back. But the fear of heights is like, yeah, he's flying low to the ground all the time when he's on patrol. Like like three feet up off the ground, four feet off off the ground. And I I love his other superhero powers among them. He can just pick up a book and just touch it and memorize everything in that book for 30 seconds. Yes, which comes in handy a, a bunch of times. His powers need their own Wikipedia entry. Because he can do that, he has super strength, he's indestructible, he can fly, he has super speed, telekinesis, he can talk to animals, he has x-ray vision. Oh, and he can also heal people. He can use his meteor powers to make things grow. Yeah. Maybe somebody should have edited this. (laughs) Well, I understand it went through a ton of rewrites and somewhere lost on the floor was an explanation of how he got over this fear of heights because later in the movie he's bounding over buildings and and things like that. Like, you know, flying into dudes from high up. Yeah. So we never find out some of the behind the scenes stuff of, of, of the plot itself. James Earl Jones is in this movie. His toupees. And he doesn't have are, much to do. He, he doesn't, but his toupees are astounding. Like, he's <laughs> yeah. seriously, his character, he's introduced, like, trying on different hair pieces. And he wears this high flat top for, like, most of the movie. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. But you're right. He doesn't have that much to do. The fact that you have an actor like James Earl Jones and he's still not one of the most pivotal characters in your movie is evidence of the deep bench here. Very deep. You have a young Don Cheadle as the second in command of the Golden Lords. You knew he was going to be something. You can get lost in just the black star power of this movie. In that respect, it's wonderful. It's over the top and there are some problematic aspects. Um, You have the family-friendly vibe, but you also have some of the stuff that kind of dogged Hollywood shuffle there's the uh, he, him using his x-ray vision to just kind of look at people in their uh, in their underwear um, which whatever that's right. that's, that's a joke right yeah. yeah there's one peeping tom scene but that's accidental yeah. there's um, yeah and there's also like some there there is casual homophobia in here that uh, I really wish that he had not carried over from hollywood shuffle but there's only so much i can wish you know, to go back in time and be like, hey, don't do this. Yeah. I found a number of laugh out loud scenes. And one is where we have our hero and his nemesis, and they're both sharing these powers at one point, and they pick up a copy of a book. They both oh. touch the same book. I won't go into what, what the book was about, but the result is hilarious. I, 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 had, I had an issue with that part, but <laughs> uh, I agree. I mean, when I first saw that movie, I was laughing at that now i don't know but i do like he picks up this one book which is like how to fight like bruce lee and uh i thought that was pretty neat um i I, it's just there's there's just so much here and uh this movie is is packed and a little unfocused uh there's it's and and very preachy i mean it's it's really preachy so it's of it's very much of its time 
the whole thing is trying to clean up the neighborhoods, uh, uh, stop the violence, and uh, get rid of drugs. And it's hard it's in the right place. But a criticism of black superhero movies pre-Black Panther is that they're very focused inward, whereas here's Black Panther, which is a movie wherein the fate of the world is at stake. Sure. So, yeah, it's – this is kind of one of those movies where the focus is more insular, which doesn't take away from the from my enjoyment of it. But it's something to kind of notice that there are self-imposed limitations that we had to transcend. Every superhero needs tights and a cape, and the Meteor Man gets one thanks to his mother and with his father looking on at the sewing machine. And here we go with this uh. clip. <laughs> Your mother and I stayed up all night last night thinking about your powers. Dad, I'm starting to get scared. The Golden Lords know who I am. They did this to me. Relax. We've got to decide what you're going to do first. Clean up the crack houses, stop the Golden Lords, avenge me, see what they did? Or then we could go after the big drug dealers, or maybe you could go international, go and get involved in South Africa. Dad, I think you are taking this too far. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, no. Come, come with no, me. Your mother's no, got a great surprise no, for you. No, come on, Dad, come on. Dad, you're taking too fast. Pumpkin, look who I've got. Well, what happened to him? Well, the gangbangers tried to shoot him, but they couldn't hurt him. <laughs> you can open your eyes now, Jeff. Surprise! But Mama, what is that? You've got to have a uniform to fight crime. Media man. What? Well, just think about it. Why did the media hit you? I don't know. Well, I figured it out. It's because we need a real superhero. These gangbangers need a wake-up call. And you've got to have a uniform. Because no one must ever know the true identity of Media Man. Mama, would you stop talking like that? In this uniform thing... Well, this costume, your mother's going to work on it. I didn't know it was going to look like this, pumpkin. Well, you're going to be the best-dressed superhero. Better than Batman. Better than Superman. And, and... What's that other channel? Spider-Man. Can't touch it. It is a pretty snappy costume. I got to say, Robert Guillaume in this movie is wonderful and just kind of goes to sh- – he, he's, he's, he was one of my favorite character actors and it saddens me we lost him a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. Like all the way back to Benson. Yeah. yeah. Huge spot in my heart for him and he's so great here. The Meteor Man available where? Meteor Man is actually not available on streaming or digital download as of yet. But you can find it on DVD and Blu-ray. Andre, uh, by the way, we would like very much to keep in touch with everybody on social media. Yes, you can, uh, you can find me at Andre Bennett Go on Twitter. Use the hashtag Cinema Obscura or just at me directly. Ask any questions if you have any suggestions. I'm super open to uh, – no pun intended – super <laughs> open to hearing from all of you. It's been fun communicating with uh, a bunch of our listeners on Twitter. I enjoy it. And we're always looking for new titles. So Yes, we are. Online. So if you have anything, hey, shoot it on over and keep listening. Also, rate us. Rate us and talk about us. All right. Thank you, Andre. Thank you, Steve. Cinema Obscura. And I'm Steve Nikhazy, along with Andre Bennett. Cinema Obscure is recorded and produced in the KYW studios in Philadelphia. For more shows, check out the new Radio.com app on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorite shows. Thanks for listening. Who does the hair?